The earth we leave is beautiful and rich. It gave us all we needed for all the generations we have lived. How will you leave it when it is your turn? What can you do? Gene M. Owl Welcome to this week's episode of Warfare, Advancement, and Revisionism. My name is Preston Floyd, and as always, I'm your host. I'd like to thank you all for joining me this week. Uh, I hope uh, my returning listeners uh, have been keeping well and you enjoyed the last episode and any new viewers or listeners welcome uh, please enjoy as well um, so this episode is going to be another one of our bonus episodes um, and it might be a little bit of a stretch to include it as one of the fantasy historical stories but I have uh, some reasons for that. First, I got a couple of suggestions for books to cover, uh, but I wasn't able to finish this or to finish them in time to do episodes on them. So those will be pushed forward to future uh, bonus blocks or you know a future Halloween type situation. Um, but I would like to go ahead and thank uh, those that gave some suggestions, uh, specifically one uh, Edric. Uh, from Twitter slash X for their suggestions. Um, they they gave me a couple of uh, books that will that will turn out uh, into episodes in the future. Um, I, I, or at least one of them will. I, I'm really enjoying it. I just haven't had a chance to to finish the book yet. So, uh, and this is not by choice, but I have been extremely busy these last couple of weeks, and I've not had much time to read outside of research and reviewing things that I've read already for the, you know, the other October episodes. Sadly, so um, I have, however, had enough time to watch a film or two, and of those films uh, is Owl, the Last Hunter. Uh, which is going to be the topic that we discuss uh, for this week. Now, this is a French language film from 2010. Uh, the French title is, uh, excuse me, the French title is Al le dernier Neanderthal, uh, which, if you can probably guess, translates to Al the last Neanderthal. Now, I don't know why they changed the title from the French movie. It is based on the first novel of a trilogy of books by. Author Mark Klapinski, uh, or Klapsazinski, I'm not sure which, uh, my pronunciation of uh, Slavic names is not the best. But the French, uh, the, the novel is called Au l'homme enchant, or Au the Ancient Man, and again, I don't know why they changed the title of the movie from that of the book. I am assuming it was due to either them telling a different enough story that they didn't want people to expect a super faithful adaptation or it's because they didn't want people to be confused that Al was a Neanderthal instead of a Homo sapien. I can't really say for sure as most info about the production of the movie and all of the info on the author and the book is in French. Um, Sadly, I don't know much about that language and couldn't get as much information on those subjects as well. Uh, or, excuse me, I couldn't get as much information on those subjects as I would have liked. Um, as the book was written in 2004 and has not been translated into English, I'm not sure it ever will be. So, you know, take, make of that what you will. 
Still, the movie has been translated, though it is very hard to find. You'll have to dig around online to get a, a version of the movie with subs. Uh, however, the entire movie can be found for free on YouTube. Um, but most of the versions I saw there, in fact, all the versions I saw on YouTube, um, had no subtitles. Uh, that said, I feel like this can be watched without understanding French. Um, I mean, obviously, if these were real Neanderthal and Cro-Magnon Homo sapiens, you couldn't understand them either. Uh, it makes it seem a lot like Quest for Fire if you don't have an understanding of the language being spoken. Uh, wouldn't matter if it's French or any other language you can't speak. <clears throat> now, um, obviously, even though Quest for Fire doesn't have any understandable dialogue, it is still a fantastic film. Uh, though, this movie, I will say, I, I don't think is as good as Quest for Fire. Um, but it is still a decent enough film, though. Um, for a movie uh, in the 2010s, it feels like a like it had a lot more money behind it than Quest for Fire did uh, in the 80s. At, you know, adjusting for inflation, all that. I'll do. Although I do think they did make kind of an effort to kind of invoke some aspects of Quest for Fire, things like shot composition, lighting, etc. Also, Al has some much more visceral uh, depictions of violence. Um, not to say that Quest, you know, couldn't be violent and didn't depict violence, um, but Al not only depicts the violence, I guess, more, it depicts more violence, but also its world is also depicted much more brutally and probably uh, closer to the reality of the world during this period. Uh, and um, it's not, I think they say specifically how long ago it is. Uh, it's not set quite as far back as Quest for Fire, I believe. Uh, it's set um, around 30-ish thousand years ago. At least that's kind of, um, I would say 30 to 40,000 years ago um, is the period that this kind of takes place in. And I believe... Um, Quest for Fire is meant to take place, uh, it was, I believe, 80-ish thousand years ago. Uh, so, you know, double, uh, this kind of is the halfway point between, you know, the modern period and, um, I, I should, sorry, Al kind of takes place, like, halfway between the modern period and where, when Quest of Fire is supposed to take place. Now, of course, Quest for Fire uh, is based on a much older novel. I think it was 19, 1910, 1911, 1912, somewhere in that range that the uh, that novel was based, uh, or that the novel the movie was based on was written um, by Rosny, I believe, was the original author. Um, and he, of course, was working off of much older archaeological evidence and much less sophisticated archaeological evidence as well as other fields uh, so of course things uh, depicted in that are you know not very accurate in a lot of ways although I think there are spiritually some ways that the movie is you know you know it, it, it captures a lot of spirit uh, that I think could be accurate but the 
the actual, you know, science of it and the, you know, the, the quote-unquote uh, accuracy of it uh, leaves a lot to be desired in terms of, like, um, how what the humans actually would have been like. Um, now, of course, Owl is uh, much more recent, has a lot more um, archaeological and, you know, various other types of evidence to go on. Um, so it is, it is more accurate. Uh, but that being said, uh, 2004 uh, is still, you know, there's been a lot of breakthroughs since then. Uh, in fact, um, one of the big uh, discoveries that were made after uh, the 2010 um, release of the movie, uh, of course, is the discovery that, yes, modern-day Homo sapiens, at least those of European descent and some other places nearby, have uh, DNA ancestry and DNA, uh, Neanderthal um, genes uh, floating around, uh, which prior to 2013 uh, was not confirmed. Uh, by any you know, DNA evidence or anything like that. Now, of course, there had been theories, but a lot of people considered the Neanderthal to be a much more primitive version of man. Uh, this, of course, as we have talked about in this show, uh, is very much under, you know, uh, you know, is very much probably not the case. Uh, I think there's a lot of, you know, modern evidence and more recent discoveries that disprove that and I think I've kind of talked about those things um, you know pretty well and at least in our earlier episodes I, I think I mentioned some of the big uh, discoveries but if I didn't then yeah Neanderthals are much closer to us than we might be willing to believe at least on certain things um, they probably again had some physical differences but not enough to be you know, wholly abhorrent or, you know, unattractive in human eyes. They were just, um, they had slightly different proportions. They were shorter probably, uh, but stouter and stronger. Um, but our, our ability to create more advanced technology and our probably higher numbers uh, really uh, helped us in the end kind of supplant them. Um but we'll go into that here uh, shortly. Um, but uh, yeah, this movie does depict um, a number of different interactions Neanderthals would have had with uh, the early um, Homo sapiens in Europe. Uh, and most of them, as you probably guess, are very violent. And um, while we can't say that with 100% certainty, um, it is, you know, it is something that we know to have happened uh, and probably was, you know, the the norm, or at least more uh, more common than you know peaceful coexistence between Homo sapiens and Neanderthals. Um, excuse me, I lost my place in my notes here. Um, ah, yeah, we'll just we'll get back to it. Uh, now the protagonist, as you probably guessed, is named Al. He is a Neanderthal hunter. He and his tribe live somewhere in the Eurasian steppe. Uh, I'm guessing it is supposed to be near or in Siberia. And this is a very small group. Uh, I think there were no more than 10 or so that I could easily make out in the opening scenes. Um, 
that said, most or none uh, of the uh, Neanderthals in the tribe uh, have any type of characterization or you know importance really to the story, with the exception of Al, his young daughter Nea, and his best friend slash hunting partner uh, Boor. Um, now, uh, there are a number of really good things um, that I think this movie does. Um, they have a really good job. Like, the prosthetics look decent enough like to make the actors look like they are actually Neanderthals. Um, uh, I think uh, the main uh, actor, uh, Simon Paul Sutton, who was actually... Uh, uh, an English actor uh, or a British actor, I should say. Um, he uh, he looks very good. I think his his makeup for the most part looks good. It is a little disconcerting though because you have all these actors that are wearing, um, you know, their you know their their Neanderthal makeup, but then you have the young uh, infant girl uh, playing Naya, and she has no makeup whatsoever. She looks just like a normal human baby. So I don't know if they. Uh, they could, you know, they made it seem like the, um, I guess maybe the Neanderthals grew their noses once they got older or they had brow ridges. I mean, obviously they can't put a baby in full face makeup, but it is very like jarring. It's like, uh, that is, <laughs> that is very weird, uh, ju- juxtaposition there. Um, and, uh, Al and Boar are very, you know, they're very successful hunters. They, um. They uh, the opening scene is them bringing back a kill to their uh, their clan's cave, um, but this is another one of those things that I think the the timing of it kind of plays into some of this. Uh, the the Neanderthal cave is a very dark and dank and you know very dreary looking location. Um, the the people in it they're you know they're a very happy group. You know they they seem to get along well. They have a lot of um, you know, they have, a, you know, they, they do seem like they're a very tight knit community. Um, their guard at the, the mouth of the cave that they live in, um, that welcomes Boar and Owl back. Um, he is, uh, depicted as having one arm. Uh, so he is kind of like, he's not as useful for a hunt, but he's a, he's a good watch. You know, if he, you know, he's, uh, he essentially, you know, kind of puts himself as, first line of defense and you know he he'll make sure that the rest of the tribe has time to defend themselves uh and we've talked about the shanadar cave uh, i think in the um clan of the cave bear episode um where they found the the very aged neanderthal with uh with a missing arm and you know physical deformities this shows you know even if he wasn't 100 percent healthy they did go out of their way to um to provide and you know support him, uh, which shows that you know the Neanderthals are far from like these you know primitive you know um, uh, primitive uh, like brutal violent people. They do care for themselves and their group, and they you know they they do treat uh, uh, them themselves or you know they do treat each other with respect even if they're not um you know prime of their life you know excellent provider type you know member of society or of a clan 
so I think that is a good depiction. I like that they did that. Uh, it does show that they are, you know, that they're not necessarily, um, I guess, quick to reject people from their group. Um, but I do, I do feel like their their cave and their lifestyle. They have almost no art aside from like very rudimentary and janky um, uh, jewels and ornamentation of bone and shell, that kind of thing. Um, there's not a whole lot of art or uh, anything else that kind of makes them, you know, much different from just your stereotypical caveman in furs and leather, you know banging rocks together to make fire um but maybe that was a choice because um again that this is a very small group uh, this could be meant to show that how bad the neanderthals have it at this point in time um obviously with the date range um there are very few neanderthals left if any in fact thirty thousand years ago they might have all been dead by that point uh, and if they weren't, they're very small numbers, and they may have already been kind of integrated and subsumed into any neighboring uh, Homo sapien groups if they weren't outright killed. But, uh, yeah, that's obviously just a guess on my part. But, yeah, the depiction of Neanderthal cave life I don't think is super accurate. Now, it may be, again, environmental. That is also a choice because, again, they are in Siberia. Um, but... That's, again, me just guessing. I couldn't really find too much information on production notes. Um, they are quickly, um, I guess, their, uh, their return hunt and um, Al celebrating the birth of his daughter is quickly interrupted because um, their lookout is uh, ambushed by a, a polar bear. And uh, Al and Boar uh, quickly go on a, um, a journey to hunt the animal down. Uh, and they are successful, but Boar does lose his life in the process. Uh, Al is very broken up about this. Again, he shows you know a very deep emotion. Uh, you know, very good, very well acted, which is it's hard to emote, I'm sure, with those um, with the prosthetics they have on him. But he does a really great job of that. Uh, Sutton, he he really um, he really does a fantastic job as, of getting his emotions through. Uh, those layers of makeup. Um, however, on returning from his hunt with Boar, uh, Al finds his clan uh, destroyed. Uh, he's lost uh, everything in that attack, um, including his infant daughter, Naya. Now, I would say spoilers, but this all happens within like the first 10 minutes of the movie. It's, it's a very jarring depiction, and again... Um, uh, it, and again, the violence in this is is pretty heavy uh, in a lot of ways. Uh, in some cases, they do kind of pull back from being super um, focused on it, but it is still visceral, uh, and there's a lot of it. And it's, in some cases, very casual violence in terms of how it's dealt out by everyone. Um, but but Al losing you know his entire clan to an attack first to um, an animal and then to a group of um, uh, homo sapiens uh, within like the first 10 to 15 minutes is of course the driving uh, factor of this movie and Al is alone uh, he is again at least according to the movie the last Neanderthal uh, so he he tries 
obviously he's broken up. He's very upset, and uh, he he thinks for a while, and then he thinks back to his younger days living uh, far to the south in what is the, uh, I believe it's the Iberian Peninsula, Spain, Portugal, that area. He remembers his brother um, and um, him growing up as young boys, and Al decides to return to his original homeland. Uh, his brother is Oa, which is just Al reversed, O-A, which I thought was pretty pretty funny. Um, but while he's uh, trying to decide what to do, uh, he, he's thinking about it. You can, you know, it, it's pretty easily, you're, you're trying to get it into his mind, even if you don't, again, understand French. You can see that he is, you know, trying to figure out what to do with himself. And he thinks back to when he was a boy. And uh, how he came to live with this tribe as opposed to the tribe he was born into. Um, and I like this kind of depiction because, again, while, while we don't know how these types of things happen, I do think that you know it is a good idea of why uh, this sort of thing would happen. Uh, Al and Oa are young hunters. They are practicing. Uh, they find... Um, while out one day kind of like looking and hunting, um, they find like a man who had died and he had just been kind of looking out at the sea uh, and he had, his flesh had begun to decay and he's got all these bird feathers on him. Birds have been using him as roost. But they find this uh, bone flute that had been wrapped around his neck. Um, Al takes it and he, he figures out how to use it. And Al and Oa return to their tribe, and then they find their father, who is uh, very sick, uh, dying. And Al plays the flute, and it you know it kind of gives his father comfort in his final moments. Uh, you then get a quick jump forward in time, and um, another group of Neanderthals show up. Uh, they bring some gifts to the leader of the tribe, and then they exchange some young people, and uh, Al is exchanged while Oa is kind of left behind. Uh, this is obviously, you know, they're bringing these young people into the tribe, but not necessarily to marry outright, but obviously that is the end goal, that they're bringing these young people in so they can get accustomed to this new group, and then eventually they'll probably find um, a mate from within that tribe. And, of course, Al is very distraught about this, um, but as he is leaving, his brother kind of gives him the flute make sure he has it and uh, as he you know turns and walks away over the cliff he turns back to uh, his cave uh, or you know the cave he had grown up in with his brother and father and mother and uh, he sees his brother um, pounding kind of like a stump drum and that's uh, that's kind of like the big driver for out in a lot of this movies this memory of his brother, um, playing this drum, kind of urging him on, you know, drawing him back uh, to where he is originally from. And also that's where you're introduced to Boar. You see that Boar's a few years older than Al, but still fairly young, uh, and that he's kind of like the first person in that group that Al is given to, you know, that he's kind of like, hey, I'm Boar, you know, are you okay? And Al, you know, he, he kind of quickly becomes like a, a secondary brother to Al. I think it's pretty pretty clear that he is kind of uh tries to take the place for oa uh for al uh, to make it think things easier 
but again, that's stuff you just have to read into it. It's not clearly stated, but I think that's kind of how it works. Um, now, I don't want to give too much away because this is a good movie. Uh, it's not long. I think it's only about... I think it's about an hour and a half, if that. It's probably a little bit less, actually. Um, but uh, I do want to talk about some of the big themes. Uh, oh, but before I do that, actually, there's a lot of animals in this movie, like live animals, um, not CGI. Uh, I think there are like some like CGI hornets or wasps or something like that. But like a lot of the other animals you you see in this are are very real. Uh, the polar bear is real. Um, the shots of it are real. Though obviously, I think there are uh, some very obvious green screens where they didn't want any humans nearby. But yeah, there's a lot of really well put together like um, animal handling scenes. So that that's nice. Um, again, practical effects are something you really don't get too often in today's. Um, in today's uh, movie industry, um, for you know, for a number of reasons, but uh, I do think it's uh, there are certain animal scenes where, like, yes, you you want a real animal there. Uh, yeah, I think that's the main thing in terms of like animal stuff. I just thought that was one of those practical effects I thought really worked out really well for the movie. Um. As he, Al makes his way, he does, of course, uh, come across a number of other groups, um, almost all Homo sapiens, though he does meet one older Neanderthal man kind of um, uh, hanging around a group of Homo sapiens. He's an outcast. And uh, that's one of the things that you get very, you know, it's a very heavy theme. There's like outsider, insider, um aspect of uh this early um european lifestyle like this early like um cro-magnon uh, ancient uh homo sapiens in europe type lifestyle uh but the um the homo sapiens are not just of course fighting neanderthals and fighting the you know the wilds and the elements to survive they're fighting each other uh there are i think three or four different homo sapien groups depicted um some and I do like the way that they're all depicted a little bit differently. They they obviously share certain levels of technology, uh, spears, knives, uh, you know, a flint and stone weaponry, uh, but their cultural artifacts all kind of distinguish them. There is a group that kind of uh, paints themselves in white and kind of uh, brownish red, dark ochre. Uh, they paint different patterns on themselves. You have a group of humans who practice uh, scarification, um, you know, like implants to kind of make their skin, um, give their skin a lot of detail pattern. Um, and that's really well done. And they, of course, have their own type of uh, jewelry and things like that. Um, now, Al, for the most part, is, again, he's a bit of a loner, uh, even when he's meeting these other people. He's he's put in a lot of danger uh, from one of these Homo sapien tribes. Um, but he does meet uh, some people who are not immediately, like, just, like, downright, hey, I'm going to kill you. Um, 
uh, one of these is the human woman. Her name is Aki. Uh, she's played by Aruna Shields, who is actually a fairly... I think she's been in a few other things, but um, she actually has like a really... Um, uh, kind of a really detailed like filmography. I think she's in a bunch of Indian movies as well. Um, so she she's been in she's been in a few things. Uh, she she actually had a number of um, spots on like BBC shows as well. Uh, and she does a great job. I think she's by far the best actor in this uh, by by far. Um. And uh, that it may be that she's able to act better without all the prosthetics on. I think uh, I think she's able to emote much more clearly. Um, but uh, her relationship with Al is obviously very important to the movie. There's a lot of um, you get a lot of the you know the difficulties that would come with these types of people's meeting. Uh, lack of a language, uh, common language, uh, obviously being the primary thing. But you know they're they're the languages aren't so complex that they can't come uh, easily teach the words for things uh, to each other. So they're able to re- communicate early on with these very, um, you know, very simple one to two word explanations of things. And of course, this does evolve that they're able to communicate much more normally as you know time progresses. Another big factor that I like they show off, they show how the humans or the Homo sapiens were more advanced than the Neanderthals. Aki teaches Al how to use a spear thrower to kind of increase his range. She also shows him um, cave paintings, the very detailed uh, kind of uh, paintings of things like rhinos and you know that sort of thing. Um, and I, I, one thing I really love is that she shows how the process would have been done with like filling negative space, like placing the hand, spraying the paint or aspirating it out of the mouth, like over a, um, over the hand to kind of create the symbols, uh, that, you know, these early humans would have done and al is uh very mystified by this to an extent he he believes that the rhino the rhino uh in fact that he he one of the rhinoceroses or woolly rhinoceroses he sees on the cave is real at first uh and aki kind of has to convince him no it's just a depiction now now again i think neanderthals probably had a fairly decent concept of art uh but Again, I think this movie is working from a little bit earlier understanding of what Neanderthals actually were. Uh, that said, I do think there are some elements where he, where the author or the you know the writers or directors of the movie also kind of got ahead of themselves in depicting some Homo sapien behavior. Uh, one of the tribes of. Uh, Homo sapiens you run across in the movie, they're practicing uh, ritualistic human sacrifice. Um, Now, I haven't talked about it too much yet in the show because it's something that we can't really... We don't really have too much information on just yet. Um, But they are 
sacrificing or trying to sacrifice humans at least in certain places and in certain cases successfully they're trying to kill humans as some type of um in some type of ritualistic fashion um now there are you know again um there's no evidence for this sort of thing happening this early i am sure that there definitely was a religious component to you know having like a big communal meal or at least you know if not a religious one then some type of um mystical or uh i don't know um uh, spiritual um for lack of a better term uh reason for you know these types of uh, preparation and consumption of flesh and we know that um you know, humans did eat other humans. Again, we, we talked about how some of the earlier sites in Western Europe uh, for Cro-Magnons did, there were evidence of human uh, bones being eaten. Um, now, or being gnawed on at least by other humans. Now, was this done actively? Was this done as kind of a way to, you know, destroy your enemies or absorb their power? Or was this something that was only done with like a close family member who had died that you that you consumed parts of their flesh so that they'd stay with you that sort of thing there are other cultures and other parts of the world that have practiced cannibalism it's something that um i think everywhere at least uh, at least everywhere on all the continents at some point or another has had some type of cannibalism practiced so you know I don't think that is a big uh, stretch to imagine that that would be happening at this point in time. But uh, the almost religious or mystical nature of the sacrifice, I think, might be a little bit ahead. Um, But again, that could just be my guess because, again, we don't have evidence for these sorts of things. We know that there was probably... Or we guess, I guess, would be the best way to play it. We, we assume that there is some type of mystical component and things like that to uh, those cave paintings depicting animals. Uh, but we know that these were also, at least in some places, they were, these were depictions and they were also um, used to uh, pat, transmit knowledge about these animals. Not just a spiritual or religious um, form, you know, but they, they did have a practical purpose as well. Um, though the practical purposes may have been secondary or they may have started as the primary and then the, the other aspects of them, uh, became more important. It's hard to say for sure. Um, but the idea of sacrifice of giving something up or offering something up to, uh, a force that is not, you know, um, that is not apparent. We don't know that that is something that would have happened at this early period. Um, there's no like, there's no depiction of a god or a deity or anything like that, or an animal even that the the humans that are practicing sacrifice. I didn't see it, unless I missed it. But I didn't see any depictions of any kind of god or goddess or anything like that. They didn't have like a big venus of willendorf like figure in the background that they're you know sacrificing these people to um whereas you know later that's definitely certain that something would would appear 
And remember, we talked about how these cave paintings of like animals and things like that, that this might have been a type of sympathetic magic, you know, to like you go into this cave, it's it's a part of the spirit world. Uh, you're trying to draw these spirits of these animals into you know the real world. You're trying to take them out with you. Uh, in this depiction, it's like we are killing these humans, uh, presumably to eat them and you know other stuff. But there, you know, there's not really saying okay, we're we're killing this human to draw others to us or that kind of thing. I, so I just I don't know what the ritual significance of this would be like um other than to say hey we're, we're gonna kill you to eat you uh but they don't necessarily have to do this big kind of performance about it uh we don't know that there's any reason that that would have been a thing um but again i'm not as familiar with um cannibalistic traditions around the world uh it's something that you know some people uh, now say is overplayed and it wasn't as widespread and some people say it was only ever done in very specific circumstances it's hard to know for sure at least for me I, and it's not a subject that i've really dived into um but maybe this is something that was done on occasion like yeah we captured you um we're just gonna do a ritual and you know cut you open and eat you but why that ritual exists for what purpose this movie doesn't really kind of give any idea on uh so i maybe it is something that was done maybe they just hey i I beat this guy in a fight i'm gonna perform this weird ritual for no reason uh and then just eat him Uh, i would have liked to have a better understanding of why this was done and i know that's hard to show in kind of a in a movie format like this and again it's a it's not the longest movie in the world maybe it's explained better in the book if that scene exists um and it does make me kind of want to read up on the subject but this type of just empty ritual i don't know well maybe i shouldn't refer to it as an empty ritual but this type of like very very formulaic ritual where they're saying this prayer I don't know that something like that would have existed. Um, I think if they did have any type of uh, ritual to sacrifice a person for consumption or whatever, I think it would be done for a very specific reason um, and would have probably been something that was much more... um, Kind of because in this movie it seems like it's haphazard. It seems like they're just doing it kind of, you know, every so often. Like it, it, it doesn't seem formal enough. It doesn't seem, um, it doesn't seem like it has been kind of thought out. It seems like they're kind of doing this sort of thing on the fly. At least that's kind of what I got for it. And you know, that's it's kind of a small thing to nitpick. It's not a huge scene in the movie, but it's one of those things where I think like they're giving a little too much, maybe to homo sapien development at this point of time when they're not maybe giving enough to the neanderthal which again it's a small thing because the there are some you know it's generally a better depiction of neanderthals than what you see in say quest for fire um but there you go uh all in all though again the movie is pretty good it's decent i'd give it a solid c c plus um if you've got an hour and a half to kill and you want to see a dude fight a bunch of uh, 
you know, uh, Paleolithic uh, animals and uh, humans. Uh, give it a go. It, it, it's it's pretty uh, it's pretty good. Um, oh, there was one thing about the animals I did forget to mention. I'm glad I uh, thought about it. So um, there are a lot of real animals in this. Again, I think almost all the animals, with the exception of the insects, uh, are real. Uh, but they do depict some animals that would not exist in Europe. There is a bald eagle. Uh, there is also a step bison, like an American bison. Uh, I think they were trying to say, okay, yeah, this is um, this is a, or it's supposed to be like a a, a Eurasian uh, bison of some type. That, uh, but it's an American buffalo, is what it is. Um, but again, as that other animal is extinct, I can understand why they did it. But yeah, they they depict some North American animals in the. Um, in uh in europe so that was one thing that i missed so uh yeah um but again movie's decent uh give it a watch if you got the time uh or if you're just you know stuck somewhere and you only have access to youtube just google it and just watch it like it's quest for fire there is kind of a fake language in it but uh i couldn't find any information on what it's supposed to be um but yeah um, I wanted to do another bonus episode before the, um, before the month was out, uh, and try to have it up on, uh, Tuesday. However, that's not going to happen. Um, I did not get as much work done as I wanted to, um, Friday night or Saturday. Um, I was not feeling great Friday night or Saturday, uh, until like the early afternoon. So, um, I wasn't able to get any work done, so this will be the last bonus episode for this season. We'll be na- back next season to continue to talk about uh, developments in North America um, at the 8,000 to 6,000 BC, and uh, we'll probably have an episode uh, pretty much for the rest of this year. I'm not sure how much longer we'll be doing this season, but we might even start um, season uh, four before the year is out so we'll just have to see I'm, I'm not quite sure how many episodes uh, i have left but uh, i'd say at least three if not four um but uh yeah uh, i'm glad everyone seemed to enjoy the last episode it was a big big um episode i've got a lot of downloads for it uh, i think over on youtube it had over over 120 uh, and um, for this month, even before I put up um, that double episode, um, we're already over 300 uh, downloads uh, just for audio alone this month. Um, so this is by far my biggest download. We might be able to break um, 3,000 downloads before the year is out. Definitely, I think, before the, uh, this, you know, the... The second anniversary uh, is gone. I think that's easily going to be done. Uh, and that, again, that's just audio, including YouTube stuff. We've obviously already smashed that, but um, I'm really, really happy with all the, the growth that the show's seen. So I want to thank everyone for that. Now, if you have any questions or feedback uh, or uh, anything, really, just reach out to war at revpod at gmail.com. 
You can reach me via direct message on Twitter, or you can just at me there. You can also um, comment on any of my YouTube videos. I will, uh, of course, uh, respond if it's you know if it's something that's an actual question or you know anything like that. Otherwise, I will give a thumbs up or a like or all that kind of stuff just to show you that I read it. But um, yeah, I'd like to thank everyone for joining me this week. I hope you'll continue to listen and enjoy and i will see you all next week i hope you have a good rest of your day and week as well thank you all talk to you later goodbye